in the dynamic environment that is the security domain today is it enough to just fight malware to defend and mitigate issues if and more likely when they rear their heads in a space where the rules of the game are changing every day how do organizations cut the cord with security mindsets that are in many ways now a legacy of a simpler younger age of it you can't beat them all so how do you change the rules of the game when it comes to apts and targeted attacks hi this is Varun Haran, Principal Correspondent for Information Security Media Group in Asia, and I have the pleasure of speaking once more with Bryce Boland, CTO APAC for FireEye. Several months back, FireEye released a report titled APT30 that received a lot of attention in this part of the world, which uncovered a 10-year-long APT campaign in the region targeting critical information assets of government and enterprises without ever being detected in that period. In the months following the release of the report, Bryce shares insight on the changes he sees taking place in the security landscape on the part of the defenders in this region and what winning in security means today. Hi Bryce, thanks for speaking with me once more. Thank you for being very happy to speak with you. Bryce, tell me, in the wake of APT30, what are the kind of reactions you're getting from the industry in this region? Are you noticing any changes in behavior from organizations? And what's the latest on the APT30 group? Well, in many of the countries where we've taken this report, and particularly where we've presented it to representatives from their respective governments, there's definitely been an increase in awareness, an increase in interest in trying to address the threat. I think we still face a, a lack of awareness generally, though, in this region, because even though a lot of look at, say, APT30 and think, oh, great, here's this new threat, I now know some IOCs, some indicators of compromise that I might be able to look for, it's still the case that many organisations have a kind of a perimeter defence mentality. So they think, okay, as long as I look for those indicators, that's enough. It's not enough because there are many, many threat actors that we see out there. When we released the report on APT30, it had the effect that we hoped it would have, which is to make the attack group go dark. Unfortunately, as we would anticipate, they have subsequently re-emerged. So we have seen an attack which we have internally we attribute as most likely being the same attack group as APT30 using some of the same tools. So they are back, but of course they've changed some of their infrastructure, they're changing their, some of their malware to avoid any of the indicators that were there before. And so we know that they are back, and then the challenge then is, well, if you're an organization that is going to be targeted by this group, how are you going to detect them in the future? We also only release threat intelligence on an attack group when it serves the purpose of ticking our customers or helping us better understand an attack group. So when we released information about APT30, we had to do that because we saw that they were attacking so many organizations successfully that we felt the only prudent course of action was to release that information to the public. But there are many, many of these attack groups. For us to really help the public, uh, we need organizations who recognize that these threats are real, that they are constantly compromising organizations that don't have the means to detect them. And even with organizations that have the means to detect them, if they don't have the means to respond to those attacks, then the damage will happen anyway. It's not enough to just find these guys. You've really got to do something about it. In the region, we've had great response from a number of governments who are looking to improve their capabilities. And uh, we continue to work with those organizations to try to improve their defensive posture. Now, one common problem that seems to be articulated every time we speak about advanced threats is that enterprises are taking a perimeter approach to security, right? So what, what needs to be done? It seems like advanced attacks are now the norm, but enterprises are not able to transcend that block when it comes to defense. 
Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, for many, many years we've seen organizations building defensive perimeters, and it's not just in IT that that's the case. For thousands of years, you know, we've built walls against the intruders. Um, we've had personnel processes to try to identify people that might be spies for another company. And we've always seen attackers finding new and interesting ways to get in, and in many cases to get out as well. There's lots and lots of ways to attack a system so you're keeping something important. The attackers will continue to be innovative, and we see that problem today still in IT world, where many organizations think that manning the perimeter is the only thing that matters. Well, we've seen attackers find ways past the perimeter, and we continue to see them very easily sending data out of the perimeter as well. So what needs to change here is, I think, a recognition that you can't eliminate all of the attackers. You might be able to eliminate all of the vulnerabilities that you know about, but there are so many vulnerabilities that you can't defend against. All the vulnerabilities that haven't been discovered, all the vulnerabilities that your users open up. And that's actually the attack path that we see most commonly used. Because you can't defend against all possible attacks, the only way you can really win in security today is to identify all the attacks that actually succeed and do something about them before the attackers can leverage that internal position to gain access to something valuable. When you can do that, you kind of redefine what winning in security is. Winning in security becomes, rather than prevent any possible bad thing from happening, prevent the bad impact, prevent the negative impact of the breach. That changes it from being a technical problem, how do I eliminate all possible threats, to a business problem. How do I eliminate the business impact of a threat succeeding? When you do that, actually, you can change that conversation, change the way that organizations approach the issue. And I think that's the spirit in which defense happens in any case. Right now, you have organizations. The last half a decade, you know, there's been an uptake of cloud to such a great degree. So there is an understanding that the perimeter itself does not exist the way it used to, and yet this defense mentality continues to be the same. Now, cloud comes with its own challenges. You have problems with forensics, problems with keeping track of what is going in, what is coming out, and if you have an advanced attack in such an environment, what are some of the challenges that organizations are going to face? Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. People usually talk about the challenge of cloud security without any clear definition of what they even mean by cloud. And unfortunately, cloud is such a broad term that can mean almost anything. It's almost become just a marketing term. But if I look at the way cloud is being used in many organizations, it breaks down into a few types, and you can tackle each of them independently. Um, for many organizations, especially you know, organizations that are very fast moving and don't have a lot of IT infrastructure themselves, they use software as a service. They're buying a CRM, an HR system, maybe some other process, business process enablement in the cloud. And for those organizations, they really are dependent on the service provider taking care of security for their environment. There's probably very little they can do if you're a small player, other than make sure you pick a provider that has a sufficient investment in protecting its operational platform and the data. Then there's the organizations that are bigger and are using uh, cloud capabilities to get access to infrastructure, to limit their operational costs or to provide them a lot more flexibility and agility. For those organizations, typically your cloud environment becomes almost an extension of your internal network in some ways. It's not quite the same, but you're still able to provide operating system control and to put in place agents and have a firewall. Part of the challenge is, though, you don't necessarily see all of the administrative control. That's usually with a third party. So, again, you need to make sure that third party has the kind of detective controls to identify a breach happening in their administrative environment. Because if they can't detect the attack, 
then how do you know that their administrators didn't get breached, that that didn't provide a conduit to an attacker? Then, of course, sitting on top of that virtual infrastructure, you're going to have your own application. And most of the attacks that we see against organizations that are hosting their infrastructure in the cloud are targeting that cloud infrastructure. They're targeting the, the vulnerabilities and the applications and using that to gain access to the data. In the cloud, your attack surface often is not well instrumented from a security perspective. It's often out, it's outside your perimeter, so you might not see the network attacks. And then the question is, how would I even identify an attacker in those environments? So one of the key things that we've learned about attacks over the last few years is that it's not a malware problem. Uh, often people think that attacks against your network, against your cloud environment, are going to, going to leverage malware, and they often do. But malware is just a tool the attacker will use to gain access. Once the attackers gain some kind of access, and they don't always use malware, once they've got that access, they will then do things in order to solidify and consolidate their access, to look for the data they want, and to exfiltrate it. If you can detect any of that, then you can find the attacker. And so quite often what we will do is, if the issue isn't about detecting the malware, it's about detecting the attacker, we try to detect the attacker in the cloud environments. Now that gives us an, an advantage over many organizations that you know look for only you know, indicators based on you know, signatures and so forth. We're very focused on finding attacks and the attackers. And in a cloud environment, the attacker could be coming from the internet, they could be coming from your own network because they may be using your own network as a, a conduit, or they could be potentially coming from the cloud service provider directly if they have been compromised. So you need to be able to look for all of those and be able to piece together if something is a legitimate activity or if it actually could be an indicator of an attack. And if it is, then you need to be able to do forensics and respond to that. Just taking off from what we have discussed so far, an extension of the perimeter mindset is when organizations are buying a lot of technology, but they don't have the requisite skills skill sets or policies or processes in place to leverage that technology and have a more robust holistic kind of security. So it speaks to the maturity of an organization. How much technology do you buy and how effective are those investments? So what would you say are the focus areas and the people and process side of the equation that organizations need to look for? Yeah, it's a really good point. You can't solve the security issue just with technology. It's simply not sufficient. Um, but most organizations, and I would argue there's probably only about a few hundred organizations organizations globally um, that can really staff a 24 by 7 organization of security professionals that can do incident response and forensics and respond to a threat quickly enough to have an impact. That problem doesn't go away because you've put things in the cloud. It doesn't go away because you think that your assets are less valuable. It actually becomes a bigger and bigger issue over time. And even if you can afford it, doesn't mean that you can actually succeed. Um, I see many organizations trying to build a capability to deal with uh, advanced threats, and they can't find the resources, they can't find the people with the right skills. And even if they can, they can't keep those people busy enough because they might only see a few attacks, and therefore the individuals actually will get bored and they will look for other opportunities. So most organizations uh, are having to switch reality and understand that they can't do this themselves, even if they could find the skills, they can't do it themselves. The types of skills that are necessary, though, are very specific. Uh, in the past, I think we've had uh, security operations teams that are very driven by making sure that you know, scanning tools are running, that the antivirus is up to date, that we roll out patches in a timely manner, and occasionally they'll be doing investigations. 
What you really need is a very tight ship in terms of keeping the prevention side uh, clean, making sure your attack surface is managed. That, that's critical and important. And when you've used the cloud, usually a cloud service provider is taking care of the majority of that. It depends on your setup, but that helps a lot. But when it comes to identifying attacks and understanding whether some piece of activity is malicious or not, that requires specific skills. It requires skills in incident response and forensics. It requires the ability to do analysis of what's malicious activity and what's not malicious activity requires you to understand the mindset of an attacker and look at what's behind that attack. So can enterprises train the user to better defend against these kinds of customized tailored threats? Are there any best practices to cultivating a culture of security to fight APTs? Any such awareness initiatives that are working? It, it doesn't. No? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry to disagree with you. Um, I've never seen an organization that has trained people in the preventative measures actually succeed with it. Um, and it, it comes down to the fact that the adversary is just, uh, they're a human and they are smart and they will adjust their tactics. Um, there was the, the case recently, JPMC had a huge breach last year. And in that breach, you know, part of the attack involved spearfishing. As a result, there was a, a campaign inside JPMC to train its top executives on how to detect and deal with an email spearfish. They all went through the training. They just had a massive breach. 76 million household accounts breached. 7 million businesses. It was huge. One month later, top executives were bypassed by a very, very simple email spearfish. And that's just the reality. You're not going to suddenly find some way to reprogram people's brains to not be subject to all the misunderstandings of how to deal with things. So I've never seen it work. That said, I think actually the problem is that you're asking people to do something that's impossible for a human to do. Uh, the best security person in the world, if you send them an email and it's something they're expecting, unless they take that content and put it into a machine that analyzes all of its behavior, they're no better off in understanding it than a layperson who gets right. that same document. So you actually need machines to do that analysis for you. And if you try to expect people to change the way they do business, in order to deal with security threats, then you've actually missed the point, really, of using all this technology in the first place. Um, we often ask people to do things that we think will help, but in practice, they're just causing them problems. So I would argue you shouldn't ask people to do things that they're not able to do. You know, don't try to jump over the moon, because that's basically what you're asking them to do when you say, tell me whether or not that file I sent you is malicious or not. They can't possibly know. Um, what they can, what we can do, and what IT professionals need to do, is take that problem out of the, the end user's hands. Don't let the end user uh, who has to do their job be the problem. Actually take responsibility for providing a secure environment. That means we have to find the malicious behavior for the user. Make it not their responsibility. If we try to make it their responsibility, it fails and you do lose. Excellent. You know, there are a lot more questions that I can ask you, but I'm going to save that for a later time. Thank you for speaking with me. Thank you very much for running. That was Bryce Bullen, CTO APAC for FireEye. For ISMG, this is Varun Haran. Thank you for listening.